Welcome to the Underground Sessions podcast, courageous conversations at the intersection of faith, culture, and politics. Each episode will feature a compelling conversation around an important issue. As we step into the tension, we remind you that the views expressed by guests may not reflect the views held by Millington Baptist Church. Now, let's start our session. All right, welcome back to the Underground Sessions podcast. I'm your host, Bob Erbig, and uh, we are going to continue with our conversation on home education. Uh, If you missed one of our previous um, uh, podcasts, I did a home education episode with uh, Mary Alice Landau and Ruth Lietze. Uh, that was a great, great conversation. I encourage you to go check that out. Um, today, I'm going to do a part two of that with uh, Alex DePiro, who uh, goes to our church here at Millington Baptist, and she is going to be launching a homeschool co-op in the fall with uh, the curriculum called Classical Conversations. So we're going to be talking a bit about that in this episode. And so uh, to start off here, I want to say, Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Bob. Awesome. Well, it's so good to have you here. This topic is really fascinating uh, to me, uh, particularly because, and I mentioned this on the last home education podcast, that everybody seems to be home, uh, you know, educating their kids at home and, and saying that it's homeschooling. And yet, um, truly homeschooling is a bit different than what people are experiencing right now. Um, when you actually have to be the one who's who's giving the full attention, deciding on the curriculum and the lessons. That's that's much different than uh, the school telling you what you should do, augmented with, you know, teachers over video and all that. So, so I think hopefully this has been just a, a conversation. These conversations will be helpful to you as you consider what it what it looks like to really do some home education. So I think uh, the first question I'd ask you, Alex, is the same one I'd asked. Mary Alice, and that was just why did you choose to homeschool? Maybe, maybe tell us a bit about your journey and and the why behind um, behind your journey. Okay, uh, well, I came from a public school background in Virginia, in Fairfax County. I had a pleasant experience. I, you know, I was fine. I never really even considered homeschooling, um, and then when my husband and I got married and we started talking about having children, he said, well, you know, I, I kind of want to homeschool our kids. And I was like, excuse me, what? I don't, you know, I'm not really sure I understand (laughs) even like the first, (laughs) the first bit of that. So, um, he, it was very strong. I mean, he felt very strongly about it. And I, you know, because I could tell that I didn't just brush it off. Um, so, you know, I thought about it a lot and I, and I finally agreed and, you know, lo and behold, we started having children. Um, and so having the, we we really, I mean, I kind of started early when you start with your first child, um, you have really high expectations (laughs) of yourself and of your child. And it's like this, uh, very dreamy homeschool world. And, um, and so, well, let me back up a second to say that Dave, Dave wanted to homeschool because he was not pleased with his public school experience being from um, mm-hmm. Jersey City. It just wasn't, it wasn't a, um, a pleasant one. And he didn't, he, he would rather have his kids homeschooled at home if we could. And we did at the time because I said I would do it. And since we had that ability, that's what we decided to do. And we thought, you know what, we'll play it by ear. If we ever move out of Jersey City, we can always see where we end up. And if it's something we want to consider sending them to public school, we can totally do it. I mean, we're, we've always been very flexible about the option of going to public school. Um, 
it's just now, now let me get back into. So when I started it, like I said, I had very dreamy expectations and lofty goals for myself. And, um, um, so the, the one homeschooling, the one was easy. My, and then I had another one right after. So, um, it's when you start getting the multiples that it gets a little tough. You don't get that one-on-one time anymore. And there's always an interruption. Um, you start having a classroom with multiple ages that right. presents its own challenge, right? That's right. And then I'm like, wait a tick. This is not what I thought. I didn't think about this being an issue ever. So it turns I from tried... tutoring into a classroom, doesn't it? Exactly. And we really were a one room schoolhouse real quick because in the span of seven, seven years, we had five children. So, um, um, so, uh, it kind of like, it kind of went back and forth a lot. And on it, this is the funny, funny part of this whole thing is we, we were in Jersey city homeschooling and it was fine. I only had really the two older ones to homeschool at the time. And then we moved out here, um, to PPAC Gladstone. And there were a couple of instances where my husband would come home from work and, I thought he was going to turn around and bolt out the door because of how crazy it was. And he could see that I was just not enjoying myself at all. And he, we kind of sat down and said, maybe this just isn't for us anymore. And by the time I had gotten there, I mean, we had moved and everything else and it was a bit crazy. So you can see like there's a, there are ups and downs in every, for everything in every aspect and season of life moving, whatever, you're going to have these crazy things you're going to run into. And ours happened to be homeschooling. And at that time I had, after we moved, I had had, I, now my eyes were like fixed. Like I was going to make this work somehow because we were in it. Like I had already invested a lot of time and, and the kids really didn't, I mean, I don't, they, it's not that they didn't have a say in it, but for their own good, I thought it would just be better for me to continue doing what we were doing instead of move them and then throw them into public school. Like that just seemed a little harsh. So well, maybe just for the sake of the audience, remind me how mm-hmm. many, so you have five kids and what are the age ranges that you have, uh, you know, together? So we have our first two about 13 months apart. So David, uh, David and Christina, now I have a, a 13 year old, soon to be a 12 year old. And then I have a nine year old, no, a, a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a six-year-old. So, um, and, but they're all like a year and a half apart with the exception of the first two, which are about 13 months apart. Mm-hmm. So it was crazy. And I got to tell you, it's still crazy, but it's okay because I say a lot of prayers and we, we get through our days okay. Um, but so what kept me homeschooling was I just, there was just something in the back of my head that said, you don't it's not time to stop. And my husband was like, you're, you're the look that you you're just, you're kidding me, right? Like this is maybe it's, you know, think about it and get, you know, we'll talk about it again. And I was just, I was really sure that I wasn't ready to homeschool. I just knew that I needed, I needed to find a new curriculum. The curriculum we were using was great. I, I loved it. It was a great beginning. It was, um, uh, was recommended by a, a previous homeschool friend. Well, and that's the other reason Dave had watched his friends homeschool their children and he really liked what he saw. It just, it, it, it was something he, he, um, he agreed with a lot. He liked that it was Christian based and, and, um, 
So that was the other reason behind. Nice. I think that was always in the back of his head. Mm-hmm. Well, before uh, we get in the conversation about the, about the curriculum, just let me, you, you kind of did a wonderful job of painting out the challenges and the different ups and downs. Um, I think when people consider going into homeschooling, they, they often, you know, have some anxiety about it and what's it going to look like? Will I be able to handle being responsible for my whole, you know, for my child's education? So I, I guess a question that I asked on the previous podcast that I would also ask you is, is this really something anybody can do or are there certain skills that you really feel like you need to have in order to, to be effective with this? Well, I, I, sw- I, I, I never envisioned myself teaching if that, if that helps at all. I actually, it, saw- it does, you know, actually, <laughs> I mentioned to my, you know, my wife and I are considering doing this and I know, uh, I always tell her, I said, well, I can help, you know, I got I, I can be flexible with my schedule. And she said, yeah, why? Well, I, she says the same thing. I never envisioned myself being, being a teacher and I, I didn't love school and, and all that. So um, I, th- I think she, I know at least she would resonate with what you just said. Yeah, no, I, and I even there, I can think of a few instances growing up where I would see things happen in class and I'd say, man, I'm never, ever, ever going to be a teacher. Like I knew, I knew it was firm. It was, a decision I had made, which is kind of why when Dave, my husband mentioned it, um, I, I probably might've even laughed a little bit, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) wait, what, you know? So, um, to wrap your head, to wrap my head around it was good, but I, I did, I, I went straight to his friend who homeschooled and I asked her tons of questions, where to start, what's a good thing to do. Um, and then I just waited, I waited till, I knew that the first age book the for the two-year-olds was ready <laughs> and I started. So yes, if, and I mean, I loved Ruth and Mary Alice's answer if, and it's true. If I can do it, then anybody can do it because I am not organized. Um, I am not a teacher. I am blown away by some of these moms who, how they can prepare and, and just create their own curriculums. I'm not that kind of a homeschooler, but some people have a very good, uh, an awesome gift of doing all of that. So those are the people you're going to run into once you get into this homeschooling thing. And those are the people, those are the people, those are the, sorry, I just had to decline a call. I don't know if that, um, those are the people you rely on and use as resources, um, along the way because it very much is um uh, a community of moms that are together and especially in the christian homeschooling community i i i'm that's really all that i do i don't do any secular homeschooling stuff um but i see a lot of web a lot of facebook pages and stuff that out there and i mean it's just a support system so i'm assuming it would be they they're going to support each other whether you're secular or Christian, you know, you need that support. You need to bounce ideas off of each other. The, the, the benefit of being in a Christian um, community or um, any sort of group is that um, there are prayer and there's prayer involved. And it's just, for me, it makes the huge difference. Right. I always am fascinated by the fact that this isn't a, just, just a Christian thing. In fact, the the movements, like when I was a kid, um, in the eighties and the nineties, I felt like was mostly a Christian thing, but it's, yes. it's grown and people have, 
um, a lot of different reasons why they don't want their kids to be in public schools. But then mm -hmm. the private school, you know, if you're looking at a private school, private school is, is expensive. So it's cost yeah. prohibitive. So then you're left with homeschooling. Um, and both the public and the private schools have their, you know, similar challenges um, uh, in, in some ways. So can we, can we just turn the conversation now to the, to the classical conversations mm -hmm. piece? Can you, can you maybe tell us why did you, what is classical conversations? Um, why did you choose it? And how does it differ from maybe other homeschooling models and curriculums that, that you might, uh, that other, people, other people might be either have used or are interested in? Okay, well, so that brings me back to the point of the story where Dave was like, we got to do something here because this is crazy. And I said, I totally agree. I think I need to change my curriculum. Um, and that's, it's totally fine and it's normal. And people do it yearly. People do it when they need to. And, and there's many different ways to approach it. But I came across, I, I was in deciding between classical conversation classical conversations and my father's world which come to find out are very you can integrate very well together those two um those two curriculums if you want it's not necessary and it, it does add a lot of work on so um i spoke um after i found out because at the time i wasn't even really involved on facebook at all um and I had spoken with my mom and said, you know, your old elementary school teacher uses this program that you keep talking about. And I was like, really? And I, I mean, I, my, my, uh, she was my sixth grade elementary school teacher and she was one of the strongest connections I had made once moving stateside. Cause my family, when I was younger, we traveled abroad and she was my first school teacher here in the United States. And we just made a, instant connection and like since then i can go back to her at any time and and talk with her so i got on that call with her real quick and she gave me about a two hour run through of the whole program and i knew right there that's exactly what i needed to do was use classical conversations because of the way the program is run it's very integrative for the um for the first for 4k through six which is what I needed because I had a lot of littles and um, it wasn't a lot of book work. So you could take it work with you wherever you wanted. The majority of the, of the time of the, the majority of the curriculum at that age um, you focus on memory, memory work. And so now I had classical conversations was giving my, was, I was using it as a, um, I'm creating memory pegs now for my kids or they're creating their, their own memory pegs in seven subjects. So now this is like how the program works is K through six, um, you create, there are three cycles and each cycle covers a different part of history. There's ancient history, um, medieval history, and then American history. So for one year, solid 24 weeks of, of, the, of the guide, you, um, you memorize, at least let's start with history because that's what we're focusing on cycle one you memorize 24 weeks of of history facts that happened in the medieval times um but it kind of overlaps a little bit and 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 it's good because it's good to be able to jump back and forth from cycle to cycle so 
not only do you have history, but then you have science and you have Latin and you have English gram. They start you on a little English grammar, even though English like language arts and math are really not involved. They're not part of the classical conversations program. You have to give, you have to supply, supplement with your own curriculum for that. Um, they do give you recommendations on what, what, what works well with classical conversations. And I can vouch for the ones they use because now I use the ones they use and or that they recommend. And they are very good programs, very intense, but they're very good programs. Um, so you have um, the seven subjects. I did history, science, Latin, math, English. Um, and I'm missing one. But, um, so they you learn 24 facts, seven subjects, and then um, at the end of the year, timeline, that was the other one, timeline, I knew it would come to me. Um, at the end of the year, if you want, you can have your kid do, your child do a memory master's, um, just, just for their own fun. It's not a requirement, it's, and, and if you pass, you'll get a certificate, but if, if you can memorize all 24 facts from the seven subjects. Um, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's, you're giving yourself a little pat on the back for being able to do all that. And the bonus of that is your, your, those memory pegs are now so, uh, pretty, pretty solidified. So the next time you come back to it, because if you're in the program long enough, you are going to repeat the cycle and you'll just be able to memorize it further. So really it's just repetition, 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 K through six. So that now, I just had my son David finish his first year in challenge so that after foundations and essentials, which is what that program is called K through six, um, you move into a program called challenge. And in challenge, you're kind of taking all those memory pegs that you learned from those three cycles, which is a lot. It's, it's over four, it's over, it's gotta be close to 500 facts that you now have stored in your head and you're going to start applying it now in your discussions so the class changes a little bit the dynamics change you sit in a class all day with your classmates of that age level and you have a, a director who sits with you and one day a week you sit and discuss all of your work for the week um, you take one hour for each strand and it's more of like, now we're changing into like this dia dialectic discussion phase. So the first part, if you, um, if I wanted to put it into like the, the right terms is rhetoric. Um, it's um, grammar. I think stage. I remember if I did, you know, when we did the orientation yeah, uh, <laughs> grammar, uh, grammar, rhetoric, rhetoric and, and persuasion or something. Yeah. Dialectic. dialectic. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, well, they, they call it the trivium, right? Is that what it's the, called? The, the trivium, exactly. So the three stages. So in the grammar stage, you're like a parrot. You're, you're memorizing, you're repeating back. Mm -hmm. It's all verbatim so that it can prepare you for the, the, the dialectic stage, which um, is starting to use those things you learned in the, in the grammar stage and apply them to things that you're, that you're learning in the books that you're reading in Bible passages that you're studying, because also the biggest thing about classical conversations that I really love the most is that it, um, its mission is to know God and make him known. So in everything that they talk about in class, they are, they are bringing it back 
if I could draw a diagram for you, it would be God in the middle with the seven subjects coming off of the, the coming off of God and then the arrow, and then you'd have an arrows going, arrows going out to the subjects and the arrow going back into God. And, and it's just this wonderful, wonderful cycle of, um, just how God is in everything and how, um, um, even in like when we, when they study their Bible passages, um, they're, they're able to just bring everything that they're learning from their subjects back to God and then how God brings it, it, it brings it back to the subjects. So it's, um, it's very That's great. Well, it certainly learn. sounds like there's, there's some academic rigor there. So if you're concerned about getting yeah. a good education, um, you know, it sounds like that, that's, that, that would be a good option for you. Right. Uh, yeah. Can I, can I, I just want to switch mm-hmm. to another question. One of the more, um, you know, uh, common questions that people will ask is when you're, when you're doing this, uh, does it affect your kid's socialization skills? So what, what are some ways that, um, you know, you have gotten your kids to interact with other people. So they're not, they're not isolated by themselves all the time. Um, well, I've ever, the, that's the first question I'm asked every time I speak with someone. It seems to be the homeschooling stereotype. You know, the thing that I find funny about that though, is that, um, I, I, and I went to public school too. I knew plenty, I knew plenty of socially awkward kids in public school. So Mm -hmm. I I just, I I tend to think that if you're going to be socially awkward, you're probably going to be socially awkward, whether you're homeschooled or whether you're in public school. This is very true. If it's in your nature, it's in your nature. There's <laughs> right. not much to do to change it. I personally don't have very shy children. And, and you can tell right off the bat when somebody meets them. So I'm frankly very confused when the question is asked to begin with, because my kids will come right up and start joining in the conversation with an adult. Um, and it's something that I've always encouraged for them is to be part of conversation. So um, you socialization is not an issue. And one of the things that helps anyways with classical conversations is being able to meet in that community on that one day a week. And they get to see their friends that are doing the same thing that they're doing at home. Um, And they don't talk about the school when they're playing together. They talk about playing and being a kid and they go and they make a game up about they pick, they have a pickup basketball game or a pick up, you know, a soccer game or whatever. They're not discussing schoolwork. Um, they're just playing. And so they, they love their community. I love my community of my moms. They're, they're amazing. Um, um, so socialization is definitely not an issue by any stretch. In fact, um, so the other thing that we do is we get involved in our town sports and league sports, whatever, whatever the, uh, whatever the season we do in the, in this, in the fall, we do baseball and the winter, we join our community group and we do, um, uh, skiing. And then we come back in the, the spring and we do town sports through our rec program. So it's what you make of it. It's there's, there's really so many options. And now that homeschooling has become, um, a little more easy to attain and has become more of a curiosity, you know, more people are curious about it, especially now that times have changed with the coronavirus and people are wondering if maybe it's something they could even look into themselves. I mean, it's, there are so many resources available. 
So yeah, and there are there are um I mean there is some sacrifices you do have to make with it. Like I, I you don't work right. It's only your husband works. So right. Look, I we mean, ha- we do have that ad- um ability. So that definitely right. helps. There are, and yeah. I, I was just gonna say, um, do you know people where um both parents are working, or there's some kind of you know dual income thing where they are still homeschooling, or is it pretty much one parent needs to stay home all the time? Um, I've seen a variety of situations. I, I can't say that I've seen that both parents leave every each day and go to their day jobs and come home. I do know that I, I did run into one situation where um, the husband worked and then the mom worked at night and somehow they were, I think she was a nurse or something. Um, I know a lot of moms that do part-time work. I know mm-hmm. a lot of moms who do the, the, the MLM uh, the, mm-hmm. So they have like a know, side business where they're able side to work business, from home. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I just, I feel like from here, seeing all that, I feel like if it's something that you really want to make happen, I, what I take away from that is they, they just figure out a way. And the, the benefit of homeschooling is I love the way Ruth said it. It's not school. It's not like a regular school. So you don't have to sit every day and do your work it's more concentrated. And so the time that you take at home to do something, you're going to get probably 10 times more done sitting, doing in one hour at two, one, two, one to two hours. than you are going to have doing a whole two days of, of school in a public school. A lot of time is wasted. I know that because I was in public school too. You spend a lot of time getting to school, changing classes. That's, you know, the majority right. of day is not learning. You're there for six hours a day and how much of the time are you really doing yeah. work? So yeah. how, how much, how much of the time do your kids do work at home? Uh, on the, like two to three hours, two so, to three so, hours. So really, I mean, it's about half, so about half the time. So going to public yeah. school, you, you know, there's an extra, there's double the time, half the time you're not really doing school work right. and half the time you are when you go to school. Right. I so you have clarify. to kind of assess, is there, is, there ben- is there a benefit to sending your kids to public school for, or what is the benefit to sending your kids to, to a school environment for double the time to really only learn about half the time? I'm right. probably and caricaturizing that, you know? Exactly. And as they get older, like David um, has his classes, he checks in with me, but he's doing the majority of the work on his own. So his is a full school day of six hours but he's doing it on his own and whatever he doesn't understand or uh, the lessons he need help, needs help with, he'll come and we'll do it real quick. The younger ones are definitely two to three hours. The littlest ones are even less. So it's, it, I like to focus on getting outside and playing um, with the little ones. But even with David, if he's, if he's doing the high school curriculum, so today i mean if he was in the public school you'd be going to school six hours a day and then they'd be giving you hours of homework at home so it really isn't even six hours it's more probably like eight or nine hours of stuff you're doing per day right 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 so that's exactly what i even try to talk to them about when they're giving me a hard time about getting their work done i say look you guys have a choice to get your work done now or take a look at your friends who have to come home after a long day at school because you know it's a long day and then then have a quick snack and get back to work and, and have to do all their homework. They, so 
they kind of live a little bit of a sheltered life because they never did go to school. <laughs> they don't mm-hmm. know that they have it, that, that they're kind of getting a lot done. <laughs> they don't right. know, you know? So for that reason, every once in a while, I'm like, I, I think to myself, maybe I should send them for one year just so they know. Right, right. You know? <laughs> well, you know, to that point, maybe I just ask you, do, do you feel like your kids are missing out on anything with, with public school? Or, or do you feel no. like there's there's any kind of obligation you have to the public schools in your, in your, you know, local community? Um, I don't feel any obligation. I do have a sense of gratefulness though, because a lot of school districts around here um, don't allow children that are homeschooled to participate in their sports programs. But in our particular district, they do. And I'm so grateful for it. And they are so welcoming. They're, they're so kind. So I don't, I don't feel like I have a sense of obligation to send my children to school. I actually feel like maybe it's kind of taking a little bit of a load off for them. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's five less children <laughs> that they have to take. <laughs> I have to do it. You're welcome, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, but um, I do, I, I mean, I've heard very tough stories of kids just wanting to get in and play sports because you know a lot of times they feel like they that that's how they're going to stay in the sports circuit but I I feel like now even in in like club sports you're going to get the same thing so I don't I I know that's just one more way for for my kids to see the kids from town and they've expressed an interest in it and I don't want to stop thwart that interest or anything like that. So um, I was, I was very grateful when I found out that they do allow um, homeschool children in our district to participate in sports. Okay. Well, Hey, one more question before we start to wrap mm-hmm. up here, you know, I, I asked Ruth and, and, and Mary Alice about the family dynamic, how, how does homeschooling affect your family dynamic? And then obviously, um, they answered it more of like how, how it, how it affected their relationship with each other over the years. Now now you're in the middle of this. Do you feel like doing homeschooling has actually has changed the way that uh, your relationship is with your kids for, you know, is it deeper and better as opposed to maybe other people you see that are sending their kids to, to a private or public school? I, Yes, I do. I've, I feel like my connection with my kids is, that is very strong. And I love listening to Ruth. And I'm going to just, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on that, that, um, that th- what she's telling me about how close kids are later, because they are now they're just their kids and you can't hear them in the other room, um, being kids. <laughs> but, uh, they they argue they fight they bicker um and so being able to be there in the moment with them to say you know just to try as best i can to just say look we know better than this this is not what we're about um and just just keep trying to instill that in them and i think that's really important because when they're away from you, and I notice even in the summertime when things, when summer, when the kids are out and my kids want to be out with their friends and they are, they have great friends, but I, I see things, how fast things can change in their thinking. 
um, just from being out and about on a daily basis. So it's nice to be able to rain a minute night and, and, and say, or during the summer months and say, well, you know, that's not what we talk about all the time. I like being able to just keep telling them that, you know, they're things that God really is ultimately in control. And, and it's really hard <clears throat> to be able to do that when your kids are not, uh, not near you. And I'm not saying I want to be, I want them here around me all the time so I can have the, like, you know, the just hover. I don't want to be a hover parent. I don't want to be a helicopter parent, but I do like making sure they know, you know, reminding them of, of where, what, what our thoughts are and how we want to treat others and how we want to be treated. Hmm. Well, that's, that's a good word. And I just, I just applaud you for the work that you're doing with your own family. I mean, that's a, oh, uh, it's a big, unde- it's a big endeavor. <laughs> and thanks. Thanks so much for the insights you gave us. Uh, as we, okay. as we just finish off here, uh, for those people that are listening that are considering homeschooling, or maybe they're in the throes of homeschooling, what um, ad- ad- encouragement would you give to people or advice for um, things they should do before they step into the waters of, of the homeschooling movement? Maybe what, maybe some resources you would recommend. There are a lot of Facebook pages now that you can become a part of. Um, some of them you have to become approved for, but as long as they know that you're interested in homeschooling and, um, you know, are, are sincerely interested in homeschooling, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to get what you need. No problem. Um, you can always ask me, I'm around. Um, I'm also, we are starting that community at, at um, NBC in the fall. So um, hope Lord willing. Um, so, I mean, we'll be, I, you can come and visit me there. Um, just basically find a resource. There are plenty, even if you're not on Facebook, if you don't want to be on Facebook, you don't have to be to find these, 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 um, these communities. You can go through the web um, uh, and just ask questions and um, pray. And really, I, I have to say it because I just take it day by day. You can't, I, I started out with lofty dreams and I quickly realized that what my dreams are is not what, rea- what, what God wants for us or what my reality so um, I it has really taught me to just trust in the Lord and to just lean on him every single day and then we just take it from there well that is a good place to finish up our time together (laughs) so Alex thanks so much for being with us on the podcast hopefully you you were listening you really enjoyed it and uh, we hope you join us for the next episode of the underground sessions podcast Thank you for listening to the Underground Sessions podcast, courageous conversations at the intersection of faith, culture, and politics. If you enjoyed what you heard today, share our information with your friends, and please give us a five-star rating in the iTunes store so others have a better chance of finding us. You can also connect with us at www.millingtonbaptist.org, where our vision as a church is to see the table expanded for the glory of God as more people step into a life-altering relationship with Jesus Christ. 
We'll see you next time on the Underground Sessions.